Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Thanksgiving, and uh, you guys were probably expecting a puff piece on being thankful. We're not getting that this morning, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to go, uh, we're going to read about the rich young ruler here in uh, chapter 18 and verse 18. But what's really neat is I've been learning a lot about Luke, and I honestly have never really done a deep dive in this gospel. And uh, it's, it's just really, it's, it's a neat book. Um, and one of the things that kind of popped off that, that like I thought was really neat that I had never caught before because we break this, each of these sections up so much that you kind of just get snippets and snippets and snippets. And so when we read the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, you know, I didn't realize that literally right after that, he comes in contact with this rich young ruler who's part of the Sanhedrin who is, he may not technically be a Pharisee as Josh was telling me this morning, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but he was a teacher of the law and was like high up in the, in the temple and all that. Um, and so you have that guy. And then right after that, just uh, a, in the next chapter, you have Zacchaeus, a tax collector. And you get to see how they responded to Jesus. And I, I think that is very, very cool and neat. And I was like, oh, wow, it actually goes together. Who would have thought? Uh, <laughs> Luke had that kind of insight. Um, but uh, one of the things that really stood out to me and I think will kind of set the tone is when we read that parable, he said in verse 9, he said, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves and uh, trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. And, uh, but uh, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as we read the rich young ruler is that uh, that idea is uh, to some who trusted in themselves. So let's jump down to 18 and let's read this story. It says, a ruler asked him, good teacher, what's, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. I have kept all of these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. 
Those who heard this asked, Then who can be saved? He replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Then Peter said, Look, we have left what we had to follow you. So he said to them, I assure you, there is no one who has left a house, wife, or brother, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more at this time in eternal life in the age to come. All right. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there, right? There's a lot of meat on that bone, and, uh, and we'll try and pick a little bit off here. Um, but uh, this rich young ruler, I think we can relate to this guy, all right? Or, or maybe uh, we've seen this guy around. I feel like this guy was probably from the south. He, this guy could have lived here in Clemson, probably, you know? Uh, that guy that you see and you're like, he's just got it going on, you know? This guy had the right family. He had the right training. He had the right job. He had money, influence, the right clothes, the right house. This guy on, on the outside looked like he had it going on. You know, and to the point where the disciples are like, if this dude can't get saved, how in the world can anybody get saved? You know, this guy, you know, this guy is awesome. You know, you see this guy and, and he even was like, he saw that he was missing something. He saw, he, he asked God, he came, he, he saw, he's like, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And, um, and so he, this guy on the exterior, he looked like he had it all going on. But obviously what God or what Jesus says here is that he was still lacking something. And uh, it, it's interesting because I think we can all kind of relate to that. We may not see ourselves as that person that is like got it all together and has got the right education and job and all this stuff. We, it's, we're very funny because we can be like, oh, I'm not that guy. I'm, you know, I, I could never be that good. But then when it, we act like we're that guy, <laughs> you know. We can very easily uh, say that, but still act, you know, like, man, I got it going on. I don't need any help, you know, all of that. But uh, it's interesting here. You get this idea that uh, that this rich young ruler was like he had the job. He had all this the education. And it's kind of like, all right, my my resume won't be complete until I I put a church in there or until I've got. Uh, my religious side of it set up. Um, I, I see that there's a need and, and it's just like this compartment that he's got to fill up. And I feel like that's how we can be sometimes, you know, is that it's like religion is just a, a piece of the resume, a piece of uh, my rounded thing that's going to help me succeed in life or have a, a good life, just like, man, I've got to have that best job with the right salary and all that stuff, and it's all um, a resume to get me this awesome life, you know. And I think we can all be like that. But uh, I think what I love about this is how Jesus shares the gospel with them. Um, and and it's, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like you see all these interactions 
that Jesus has with different people that come to him. And he doesn't necessarily give the same. I can't think of. Can you think of a time when he gave the same answer twice when someone came up to him? I don't know. I was thinking about that. I was like, why didn't, you know, when he came and said, what do I have to do to inherit? Why don't you say believe, repent, and be baptized, you know, and go on your way. It, because I, I don't know. It, it's just weird. He had a way of seeing what was actually going on with this guy and, and was able to talk to him in a way that spoke to him and met his needs right there. And uh, man, I think that's such a challenging thing when I think about sharing my faith, when I think about, you know, when someone, like, wouldn't you love for this guy to come off the street, this guy that looks off and say, hey, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? You know, eternal life, what do I have to do? And you're like, yes, this is perfect, you know? And what spiel would you just, you know, do you have a canned answer that you would just spout out right there? Or would you take the time to observe? And, you know, this, this is challenging to me because I, I don't know how I would do that. Um, you know, and I, I just I just love how Jesus was able to just meet that guy where he was at and have a conversation with him. And um, and it's funny, if I was in Jesus's shoes, would I have told him to do the same thing? <laughs> would, I have, would I have the gall to be like, oh, dude, that's awesome. You've been living this way for a long time. Oh, dude, that's great. You just need to get baptized. You know, that's not what Jesus said. He said, he said no, what you need to do is uh, you need to sell everything, and then you can come follow me. Uh, that's, that's gutsy, isn't it? Don't you think that might scare some people off? Don't you think that's that doesn't sound politically correct to me. That doesn't sound like it just doesn't roll off the tongue. Well, it's like it, it's it's not easy. But you see God here. It's like, why in the world would God push this guy away like that when he could have had this awesome guy with power in the temple? He's like, that guy could have been on my team, you know, and he just didn't see it that way. And that is. I don't know. That's just hard to believe because that seems like what we would do. It seems like that would be the route. And, um, you know, I would just be like, hey, dude, continue to be good and just get baptized. And because that's what really God wants from you is just to be a good guy. And um, and really, I think that that's one of the things that we have to wrestle with here in Clemson and just in general in America and and and. This time is we're okay with just being good. You know, we have this guy who, I mean, on the surface, he followed the commandments since he was a little kid. Yep. He's been doing it his whole life. He had the right answers. And, and that wasn't what Jesus was looking for. And that, uh, that, I don't know about you, but that stirs some stuff up in me because being like, I was raised, my parents were trying to live like disciples and were disciples when I was a little kid. And, and you kind of learn the ropes and know what to say. And I think even anybody gets that way after trying to follow Jesus for a little while. Is you, you just kind of know the routine of discipleship or the routine of, of church. And man, God is not calling, Jesus is not calling us to be quote unquote good. 
you know, and that's that's hard to hear because I don't know. Good doesn't challenge. I, I don't know. It's in my it's in my wheelhouse. It's comfortable and it doesn't really stretch stretch me very far you know it's really not asking much of me um you know and that's i don't know i feel like that's just something we've got to consider there is that that we can't be disciples and think it's just about being a good guy or a good girl and and that's that's not the good news and that is not discipleship If that is, I mean, that that really is the gospel that you believe determines the the disciple that you become. If you believe that that's what God's just, he came to earth to save me and now I'm going to live a good life. That's that's not what the Bible teaches us. Um, But um, I don't know. I, I think I think, too, I think one of the things I really appreciate about Jesus is he he loved this dude. You know, we, you read some of the other accounts in Mark and Matthew, and, and, and it says Jesus loved them. And I appreciate that because I don't know if someone, if I, let's just say I got far enough to throw this guy a curveball and tell him, hey, you need to leave your wealth behind, give it up, and then come follow Jesus. You know, and then he went away sad. I don't know if I would have loved, like, loved him in all that. I would have been like, dang, he fell off, you know. Or there, I don't know. I, there's just something about that Jesus in all the all this, seeing this guy, had a genuine love for him. Right. Despite where he was at and despite, like, where he came from and despite his response to him, Jesus loved him. Yeah. And... That right there, that challenges my heart because I don't want to love, like, me personally, I am okay with loving my family and then loving my few close buddies really well and then everybody else leaving them high and dry. I am, like, okay with, with that. And, and God is calling, Jesus calls us so much higher than that to the point of loving our enemies or loving those who oppose us. And I don't know if this guy was necessarily opposing Jesus. He just went away sad. But, uh, man, these are just, I'm telling you, these are just nuggets. You, we could do whole lessons on all of these things. And, um, but I was thinking about this, and, and what's tough about this is what is this dude's actual sin? What is his actual problem? You know, why... The one thing he lacks, I feel like he doesn't tell him what he lacks. He just says, there's one thing you lack. Now go sell your stuff. You know, I wish he would say one thing you lack and then spell it out and then tell him to leave all his stuff. You know, and then we could say, okay, once I understand this one thing or I don't lack X, Y, and Z, then I don't have to give up my stuff. You know, and... And so I think that this is the area where we've got to start digging in. We've got to go deeper and we've got to figure this out because it's very easy to just say, Jesus calls us to give up our stuff. And that's what this story is all about. When actually I think it's really not, you know.
it's really not just about giving up all our stuff, but it's, I want us to go back and think. He told the parable to some who trusted in themselves. And, uh, and I, think, I think what it, it was is Jesus saw that he didn't actually need Jesus. He didn't see himself as actually needing Jesus. So, so here, here's the point where, where we got to talk about money, right? This is the part that I dread. Like, this is the no fun stuff in, in the Bible, okay? And, um, and so here's what, I, here's what I want, okay? Have you guys ever cooked with a cast iron skillet before? You ever, like, cooked a nice pork chop or a steak? And you get that pan nice and hot with some butter in it, and then you throw that steak on there, and it just sizzles. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you in a hot pan right now, okay? And I'm gonna, it's going to sizzle, and it's going to sting. But I want you to just, I want, I want this scripture to sit on you for a second before we start writing it off before we start doing these mental gymnastics say well he's not talking about me i want it to sit on you for a second and just feel that sizzle and be uncomfortable in it and uh and let let the word of god speak to you here he says uh you know the commandments do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal do not bear false witness honor your father and mother I've kept all these from youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Let that just sit on you for a second there. Do you guys know what a horse pill is? It's a big old pill that they give a horse. All right. You know why uh, they call big pills a horse pill? Because they're hard to swallow. All right. That's what this is. This is one of those horse pill scriptures. It's hard to swallow. You ask yourself, Jesus asked him to do what? Jesus said to do what? Does that even, like, can you even comprehend that in today's life? Is that even an option? To our American ears, does it even make sense? Is it like Chinese or, you know, is this German what he's speaking now? Because it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Why in the world would he tell him to get rid of all his possessions? Why in the world would he say it's hard for a rich person and not even hard it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and people say all different kinds of things about like that and what that actually is 
But it sounds hard, doesn't it? I don't fully understand that, but it's hard. Okay? It doesn't make sense. Why would you say the eye of a needle? It's camels and stuff. That's hard. Don't understand it. But we can't just write this off, can we? Because this is a teaching. Jesus obviously was trying to make a point here. And obviously, his disciples didn't understand it. Because he had to go and do some teaching about it after the fact, didn't he? I don't know. God asks us to do some weird things. He asks guys in the, throughout the Bible to do some weird things. So we've got this, leave all your possessions and come and follow me. Earlier, he sent out the 70 and he said, don't take anything. Leave your money, leave your shoes, leave all this stuff and go out to these towns. Why in the world would he ask them to do that? I was thinking about the Israelites out in the desert. God said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide manna for you to eat. But don't collect more than what you need for the day. Why in the world? If he's raining down, why not take as much as I want? Why not store up a... Think about Abraham. Man, Abraham received a sweet blessing from God. Those jokers were old and they had a baby. Yeah. Like real old. Sarah was about to die and she had a baby. I don't know. That joke, she was old, man. And there's this miracle God does. God did this awesome thing. And then, then he says, you know what? I want you to go offer up Isaac as a burnt sacrifice to me, a burnt offering. What? You gave it to me. You, this was your plan. You, you said you were going to do this. I... I don't know. Those are, those are some oddball things, but I think they're all related. And I think, I think Abraham, I think he, he reasoned this out well. He reasoned that God himself would provide. And, and in a world where everything is, tells us to be independent, to provide for yourself, to get what you can get when it's available, no matter the cost, whatever it takes, get yours. And that's, I think, such a hard teaching. Is we try so hard to provide for ourselves, there's no room for God to provide for us. There's no, there's no need for God anymore because my hunt for wealth, my hunt for riches, my hunt for comfort and, and ease, it leaves no room for God. I think God wants us to depend on Him. Right. And my question for you is money and possessions and the pursuit of those and I got to stop here. I, 
you're probably thinking, okay, this doesn't apply to me because I'm a college student and I don't have much money, so I'm not rich, you know, or, hey, look, I'm, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm an entry level at my job and I'm not real, making real money yet and I'm not rich, so this doesn't necessarily apply to me. Let me assure you, you do not have to be wealthy to, for this to apply to you. I think if you look at the scheme of the world, not just like when I, th- when I was going through this and wrestling with this in my head, I'm like, so you're getting on to me, God, because technology is better than it was back in the day. So you're saying I'm, I'm rich because I have air conditioning. Everybody has, it's technology. They just didn't have the technology back then. Or the cars or, or lazy boy sofas and, and armchairs. You know, it's like they just didn't have the technology then. It's not the case. When you compare ourselves to the rest of the world, today, we are filthy rich. We lack nothing. Um, and, and there is food to eat and plenty of it. But is money, possessions, and the hunt for that holding you back from experiencing the life God wants you to live? Experiencing the things like that God is, is wanting you to, to have in your life. Maybe it's the fruits of the Spirit. It's just so interesting here that God sees wealth and riches and money and, po- and many possessions as a handicap. Right. He doesn't say it's a bad thing. Does he once in the scripture say money's bad, possessions are bad? You know, he says no. It's more like a handicap. It holds you back from experiencing what God really wants you to experience in this life. It makes salvation a lot more difficult. It makes discipleship a lot more difficult. Do you guys, are you feeling a little sizzly right now? This stuff's not easy to hear, and it, man, I don't want to be talking about this before Thanksgiving. This is tough, and Sarah and I went on a date last night. We're talking about this. <laughs> and you're like, oh my goodness, I just want to write this off. But we can't. We can't. Let's turn to, to Luke 4. Let's read, let's read some more about, about this. I, I think what's really neat about Luke that I... I learned and I'm learning about is the fact that Luke talks a lot about the rich and the poor all throughout it. He, there's a lot of talk about money, a lot of talk about wealth and poverty. And um, yeah, I think there's a reason for it. Oh, that's because I'm in the wrong place. The spirit of the Lord, I'm in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives 
and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord came down to save the poor, not the wealthy. Didn't he say uh, before, he said, he said, I didn't come to, to heal the well, the people who were, were okay. I came, to, I came to heal those who were sick, those who were in need. You know, that word poor there is the same word that, that's used in Matthew 5. Uh, poor in spirit. You know, and uh, let's jump over. Let's jump over to Luke 6. We're going to go just over here a little bit. And this is, again, we're going to hear that same word. Verse 20. We've heard this in Matthew. You who are poor are blessed because the kingdom of God is yours. Let's jump down to 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. So this idea of being poor, this word is, is associated to uh, a beggar. And not just uh, the guy you see on the highway holding out his hand, but, but the word of the picture is more of a, a someone crouched over and, and humbled and, and like down close to the ground, not looking up, like not worthy, needing help, not ashamed of being in that position. Although there's probably a lot of shame that's felt in being in that position. But not ashamed to, to go for, for help. And, and I think that that, like, have we ever, like, actually practiced that posture towards God? The, the idea of coming poor, without my possessions, without the things like these things are hard to like really get a grasp on because we have so much stuff that we are surrounded by so many things this idea of actually being in so much need that i would do anything i would do anything for a morsel i think one of one of we're we're gonna go over the the story of zacchaeus uh, another time I told Keith that I might jump in there, but um, I, there's no way there's enough time for all that. Um, but you just see, you compare Zacchaeus's response to, to the rich run, young ruler's response. You have both of these dudes were very wealthy, very rich. And they both saw they had a need, like Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. He, he was trying to see what he was all about. And Jesus speaks to him and invites himself over. And, and his response to, to coming in contact with, with Jesus was like, I will give away half of my possessions to the poor. And with the other half, if I've done anybody wrong, I'll pay him back four times. And you got to think that was all his money because this dude was like a gangster. He was like a... Like, 
he was the bad guy, <laughs> you know, the bad guy tax collector. So when you think about the laundry list of the people he's done wrong, you got to think he had nothing left or he, he didn't have much left. But you see the, the response, how different it was to the rich young ruler who just went away sad without even being asked. He said, I've got to get rid of this. I've got to let this stuff go so I can be clear to follow you. So I can remove the distractions and move, remove the things that were Lord in my life. And I think that that right there is such a, man, I, we don't talk about idolatry a lot, do we? That's not an, another thing that we, it just doesn't come up very often, but we so often can, man, put things in the place of Jesus, the pursuit of being comfortable, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of wealth, Man, those things we can put up on the throne and, and, and where God should be. And you know, when you go back to the Ten Commandments, Jesus quoted the Ten Commandments right there. He said, don't make any idols, whether of earth or stone or anything on the, above the earth or below the earth. Don't make anything into an idol. And then he goes on after the fact. Don't make idols of gold and don't make idols of silver. I think even back in the day, there's this understanding that we are drawn to shiny things, first off. But then two, that we tend to go to earthly things instead of God. We tend to put things that were supposed to be just pleasing things on this earth. And we put those as gods in our life. Whether we say it like that or not, we, do, we can do that. Let's turn to Luke 12. I wish we had time. There's so much good stuff in here. So Jesus here is about to do some teaching. And I just want to point out in verse 15 here, these guys are trying to divide up an inheritance. And in 15, he then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Man, that's tough to hear. I mean, I, I, want, I want my life to be filled with good stuff. I want my home to be filled with good stuff. Have you ever, some, like, have you ever, like, had a bad day and got on Amazon and bought something and then you're like, yeah, I'm better now. That's cool. You know, have you ever done that? A little retail therapy? You're feeling down, so you're like, all right, let's go to, I don't know where you guys shop, Forever 21. Hot Topic. What's in the mall? I don't, Brent goes to Hot Topic, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, but.
But that idea of buying stuff to make us, this is what will make me feel, feel better. This is what makes me feel whole. And man, we express that in a lot of different ways. We can eat, we can exercise way too much, or that's probably not most of our problems. That's not my problem. <laughs> but, um, but we can go and be filled up by other things. When, when God's saying, hey, if you push this to, to the side, know what? I'll fill you up. I'll give you what you need. Matthew 6, 19 through 24, you can write this down. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot be slaves of God and also money. That one's in the Bible a lot. The idea of being a slave to God and to money. Man, we have got to like, who's Lord? Who are you slave to? So let's go to Luke 6. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I said six, 6. It's 16. Sorry. And starting in 14. says, The Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and scoffing at him. And he told them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Just like, is anyone smiling right now as I'm talking about this? Or is this anyone like, <clears throat> this is so foreign. It is, it is terribly difficult to pick out the good news in here. But there's this idea of that we're so concerned about being approved by everyone else and like staying at the social norms because that's what that's what people say we should do but it says God knows our hearts for what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight I don't know about you guys this is hard and this is not something I feel like I've got on straight this is something that Man, putting this together, I've had to wrestle with. And like, I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. Why would we talk about this? This is tough. But we've got to, we got to remember. Man, let's go back to 18. I just want to read it here. We'll go, we'll go right back over to... What is impossible with men is possible with God. And I think that, that the disciples here, they were wrestling with it the same way we have to wrestle with it. Who in the world can be saved? If this is the standard, who in the world can make it? God's like, Jesus like, hey, I get it. There are some things that are impossible for you. But they're possible for me. They're possible for God. We've got to remember that this is not a physical matter. It's a spiritual matter. This isn't just... I think, I think what we can hear is... 
what we can easily do is to say, you know what? You know what Ben's telling me to do is go sell all my stuff. No, that's not the case. But God might be calling you to do that. Have you ever even considered if he's calling you to? Have you ever considered that the way you're living is separating you from knowing Jesus the way he really wants you to? Would you even be willing to if he asked? Like, those are things you, we've got to wrestle with. I'm, I'm not saying you have to sell all your stuff or even that Jesus is. But we've got to consider he might be asking that. Did he really mean that it's hard for wealthy people, for people with many possessions, it's harder for them to get to heaven? Or was he just talking about the rich young ruler here? You tell me. I, I think he's trying to warn us. Our wealth can be a handicap. Ben, I know what you're trying to say. Money's bad. Money's just evil. The root's all kinds of evil, Ben. Does, does he say that it's bad here? Does he say that money... I think, I think this is more of a heart thing. This is... Where is your heart toward God and Jesus and the Spirit? And, and what is that in relation to my stuff? Where does, my, where does my money fall on that spectrum? Is my needle always pointing at money? Do I ever turn my head to God, you know, and look away? And I say, I'm saying money, but I mean like our things, our possessions, the, the desire for more. I mean, do... Do you ever think you will have a, enough money? Will there ever be a point where you're like, I've had enough, or this salary is enough for me? I don't need to, I don't need to try and get any higher. Those are, these are things that I want you to wrestle with, that you've got to go home and pray for discernment because I feel like it's a razor's edge. Because you, you, I say all these things and you're like, okay, but what about like, let's now let's take the whole Bible and let's fit it in here. And my thought is, okay, Colossians 3.23, do everything as if I'm doing it for the Lord. Yeah. You know, so if I'm acting that way at my job, I'm going to do excellent. And know what happens if you're at your job and you do excellent, you get paid well for it. You know, isn't that typically how it goes? But can you go and do that? Like, it is such a hard thing. God calls us to be good stewards of our money, good stewards of the things that he's given us. But our life is not about our possessions. Our life is not about our salary or our jobs. We're all resigned to work in this life. Like, we, it's just a, we have to. And we have to be excellent. And those things. But that is not our life. That is not what our, the goal of life is. And we have to remember that. You get this idea that, 
that God's calling us to simplify, calling us to shed off the extra weight. Like I was thinking about Paul's teaching where he says it's better for you not to marry because your, your allegiance is divided. And I feel like it's a very similar teaching here is that our allegiances get divided when we're too focused on money, too focused on our things, too focused on having the same thing that everybody else has. And and this idea of simplifying so our allegiances aren't divided. So money can... Like, I want to encourage you to, to not make money off limits in your group of three and your small groups. I feel like money is such a weird thing to talk about. You bring up someone's salary or you bring up how much somebody paid for something or whatever. Everyone's like, that's none of your business, you know? But obviously money was not off limits to Jesus. He very, it wasn't off limits to Luke, you know? Money cannot be off limits in our conversations with one another. It can't be off limits in our discipleship times. Man, this is something we've got to talk about. We've got to really be okay with learning and talking about money because when you think about it, even in worldly senses, we have a very basic understanding about money anyway. You know, how much training did you get about money? I learned how to write a check and open a bank account. Like that, that, that was, my parents taught me how to make a budget and they said, go have fun. You know, it's like, that's about it. So money should be something that we're talking about, something that we're continuing to learn about and pushing our boundaries and how comfortable and all that stuff that we are. And our goal should be to, to be rich in God to be rich in spiritual things, rich in fruits of the Spirit. So just to close out here, guys, I, I know this, this stuff is tough, but we're going to have to respond to it. Jesus put it out there for the rich young ruler, and I'm laying it out there for you guys. How will you respond? The rich guy, he went away sad because he had a lot of possessions and he liked those things. Who knows if someday if he ever turned around or what happened, but he went away sad. So that could be a response that we have today. Um, The disciples, this is a hard stinking teaching. You know, if, if, if you're calling, if this is the standard, who in the world can be saved? And then even even the question, they go on to say, but what about the stuff I've already given up? I feel like I've already given up so much stuff. You know, that's like legitimate. Those are legitimate questions and thoughts. But maybe that's where you're at right now. But I I love Jesus's responses and all this stuff. Jesus loved the guy. Despite walking away sad, Jesus loved him. And I think despite what happens today and how we wrestle with this, Jesus loves you. He said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. 
And then he goes on to say, those who make sacrifices because of the kingdom of, the, of God will be provided for in this life and also the life to come. Thank God. <laughs> but do you really believe that? You believe that Jesus is going to do what he said he's going to do? Will you be taken care of if money and possessions and all that stuff is, is not your main focus? Will you be taken care of? So what, a, what am I willing to leave behind for the sake of the kingdom of God? Go home and ask yourself that. What is my heart towards money, my possessions, stuff, what my, what my neighbors and my co-workers and the people here in the church, what they think about me? What's my heart towards all that? Are you putting your trust in your stuff or approaching God as a beggar, relying on him? Do you believe God's promise that he will provide if you do it his way? And again, I want to leave you guys with this. We've got to pray for discernment on this stuff because I don't have all the answers and this is something I'm wrestling with. But I can tell you this. God is faithful. God does what he says he's going to do. And if we do it his way, he says he will take care of us. So.